I'm glad that you're here today. Today is the last message in the series called New Year's Promises. And the idea behind the series is basically this. We were, we've been looking at uh, what if we decided to focus this year more on God's promises rather than on our resolutions? Which one would have a greater impact? Uh, what if we learned to rely more on God's strength this year than on ours? That's kind of the idea behind the series. And this last promise that we want to deal with today deals with an issue in our lives that we absolutely need to understand. It's absolutely essential that we learn to rely on God's power rather than on ours. The promise we're going to look at today has the potential to really change your life. In fact, let me say this. The promise we're going to look at today has the potential to bring about massive change in your life. And I don't think I'm overstating the case. The promise we're looking at today has the potential to bring about change because this promise we'll be looking at today deals with the point of our daily struggle with sin. You see, here's what you need to know. You don't have to be dominated by what's been dominating you. You don't have to be defeated every time you face a particular temptation. There's a promise in the Bible that shows us how to deal with And have victory over the temptations we all struggle with. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Let's look at that promise, if you will. Open God's Word to the promise that's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. And here's what the promise says. No temptation has seized you. It's an interesting word, isn't it? Seized you, grabbed you, latched onto you. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. You know and I know that temptations are a daily reality. You know and I know that temptations are the result of living in a fallen world. It's just part of life, part of living. It's a daily reality for all of us. There is a a picture, or not a picture, a quote on the wall at at the building where I teach at Anderson University that I just, it's just kind of fascinated me. I've looked at it numerous times. It's in the Watkins building where I teach. And in that building, there's this quote on the wall that has just grabbed my attention. I want to show you a picture of it. You may not be able to read it from where you are, but here's what the quote says. This is at Anderson University. It says, Today I give you two examinations, one in trigonometry and the other in honesty. I hope you pass them both, but if you fail one, let it be trigonometry. Isn't that great? I mean, when I read that, when I first saw it, the first time I saw it, I stood there and thought, why can't I say stuff like that, you know? And it's just, it's just amazing to me. But we've all had those kind of times, haven't we? We've all had those times when we, were, when we have an inward battle to do the right thing. Every Christian does that. Every Christian has that struggle, that inward battle to do the right thing. Every Christian experiences those kind of temptations. I mean, time doesn't permit us to even talk about the trouble that yielding to those temptations will bring. Lives have been ruined, literally ruined. Marriages have been ended, homes have been broken, jobs have been lost, all because 
We didn't handle the temptation correctly. Let me tell you why you need to listen carefully today. You need to listen carefully today because there is not one person, including Jesus Christ, who has not faced temptation. And every person, with the exception of Jesus Christ, has yielded to it. He's the only one who hasn't yielded. Now see, you need to understand, temptation by itself is not sin. Jesus was tempted, we're tempted. Temptation by itself is not sin. But when we yield to the temptation, that's when it becomes sin. So today I want to show you the one promise that we all need in order to have victory over temptations we struggle with. So I want to just kind of break down this promise for you. I'm going to break it down to four components as we look at verse 13 and the promise that is there for you and me. The first thing I want you to notice is that we are not immune to temptation. It says this, let's begin in verse 12. It says, so if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. Uh, Notice the first word in this verse, so. The word so indicates there's a backstory. There's a backstory to all of this. And the backstory is the first 11 verses. So if you go back to the first 11 verses of chapter 10, Paul points back to the Old Testament. He points back to the story of God's people in the Old Testament. And look what he says about them. For I want you to know, chapter 10, verse 1, I want you to know, or I want you to be, let me try again. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud, and that they were all passed through the sea. He's talking about the Hebrew people coming out of Egypt. He says, they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They, they all ate the same spiritual food. They drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered over the desert. Now, I'm not going to take a lot of time to give you the backstory here, but basically it's talking about the fact that God's people had a privileged position. They were chosen. They were a special nation. They were God's people. And not only did they have this privileged position, but they also had God's definite guidance and provision. As they came out of Egypt, God guided them with the cloud by the day, the pillar of fire by night. They had divine guidance. Not only that, they had God's provision. God provided manna. He provided the water that they needed. They had everything that you can imagine. God was giving them everything that they needed. And yet, even though they were privileged people who had God's guidance and God's provision, they gave in to temptation. In fact, they gave into temptation to such a degree, it says in verse 5, Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were, look at this, their bodies were scattered over the desert. Which makes us think, my goodness, what did they do? Most of them didn't survive. God brought them all out of Egypt, but between Egypt and the promised land, most of them didn't make it. Between Egypt and the promised land, most of them gave in to temptation. Between Egypt and the promised land, most of them said yes to temptation when they should have said no. What did they do? Well, he tells us in the next, as we continue to read. Now, these things occurred as examples to, give, to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. See, they set their heart on evil things. Well, what kind of evil things? Verse 7. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. 
And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test the Lord as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And then do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. Now, verse 11 and verse 12 become very important. These things happened to them as examples for us, as examples that were written down for us, warning us on, on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. So, if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. If you think you're standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. You see, here's what Paul is saying with this verse. Look at these two words, be careful. Paul is saying, even if you are one of these people who have been a Christian a long time, even if you're a person who's experienced great deliverances from God in the past, even if you're a person and and God has used you in a tremendous way previously, we never come to place in our walk with God where we are suddenly immune from temptation. We never get to the point in our walk with God when suddenly temptation no longer is a problem. We all are subject to temptation from the most righteous of us all the way down to the lowest person. Being saved will not make you immune. It doesn't make you immune. It makes you a target. It makes you more likely that you will experience the temptation. That's the first thing from this promise. Second thing is this. We are not alone in the temptations we face. We're not alone. See that? We are not alone in our temptation. Here's how Paul says it, verse 13. Paul says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. I like the New Living Translation. Look at this on the screen. But remember that the temptations that come into your life are no different from what others have experienced, what others experience. Now, you see, here's the reason that verse is important. Satan wants you to think that you're strange. Satan wants you to think that you're struggling with things in a way that others don't struggle with. Satan wants you to think that you're worse than other people. He wants you to think that you are different so that he can put you in shame And he can silence you. He wants you to be silent. He wants you to suffer in silence. He wants you to suffer in shame over your sin and your temptation. But the truth is, other people are suffering, struggling with the same kind of things. The truth is, there's nothing new or novel about the temptation you're facing. The truth is, there's another man struggling with what you're struggling with. The truth is, there's another woman struggling with what you're struggling with. The truth is, others have overcome what you have yet to overcome. The truth is, we're all sinners, saved by grace. You see, the sources of our temptations have never changed since the Garden of Eden. There's three sources of temptation. First of all, there's the world. The Bible talks about being friends with the world and, and just the world that we live in. It's very obvious when you look around, when you're driving, when you're watching TV, when you're just talking to people. It's very obvious that there's lots and lots of temptations in the world. That's one source of temptation. Another source of temptation is our own flesh. We have a fallen nature. We, we are predisposed to sin. We inherited that predisposition from Adam and Eve. And you even got it from your parents. We have this predisposition to say yes when we ought to say no. To temptation. Galatians 5.17 says that the spirit is at war against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit so that we can't do the things we would like to do. So we have 
two sources of temptation so far, the world around us, the flesh within us, and then the third source of temptation is the devil himself. Now, you don't need me to tell you this, but listen, Satan is real. And he uses your natural desires within your body to bring about temptations into your life, to tempt you to sin and to encourage you to do so. He will whisper suggestions into your ear. He will arrange circumstances to make it easy for you to, to give in to the sin. He is your foe telling you how fun and easy it is, but he's out to destroy you. So, you need to understand something. You're not alone in your temptation. You need to understand that others are struggling with what you're struggling with. You need to understand that the shame that you feel should not keep you silent. You need to understand there are others struggling just like you. And there are others in the past who have found victory that you can find. Now, here's the third thing in the promise I want you to see. Look at this on the screen. We are not abandoned in our temptation. I love this part of the verse I want you to notice the first four words that are central to this passage. In verse 13, the middle of the verse, it says, And God is faithful. Those words serve as an anchor. In fact, I'd ask you to underline it, because that's the central, that's the heart of the passage. And God is faithful. Those words are an anchor. They mean that even though we are tempted to be unfaithful, God is always faithful. His faithfulness is displayed in a very real way. Look at it in the verse no, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. Here's how He's faithful. Look up here on the screen. Here's how He's faithful. Look at the next slide. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. There are two He will statements in this verse. This is the first one. Here's how God is faithful. God is faithful in this way. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Sometimes people say, well, Pastor, you know, I just couldn't help myself. Let me say something to you. In a way, you're right. You couldn't help yourself. But God is faithful and He can help you. There's two ways that God is faithful in the face of temptation. Here's the first one. The first one is He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Here's the second one. But when you are tempted, say, say that with me. When you are tempted, say it with me. When you are tempted, In other words, Paul is saying, that day will come. Paul is saying that you're not going to get past this. You don't outgrow this. This is not something where, okay, you can take a class and get over it. But when you are tempted, he will also, here's the second he will statement, he will also provide a what? A way out. It could be translated, he will provide an exit. He will provide. And exit. But notice, it doesn't say He will push you out the door. He provides the exit, but He doesn't push you out the door. You have to decide how you're going to respond to that. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But I just want you to know, notice that He will not abandon you. That temptation that you're, in, that you're under, that temptation that you're struggling with, it may seem unending, it may seem unoverpowering, But it doesn't have to defeat you because God is faithful. And God provides the hope that we need. You don't have to live like a prisoner to your passions because God is faithful. And He will not provide, or He will provide a way out so that you can 
Stand up under it. Look at that phrase. Stand up under it. You know what that means? That phrase, stand up under it, means you can finally get to the point where that temptation no longer dominates. You can finally get to the point where that temptation no longer enslaves. You can finally get to the point that when you're confronted with that temptation, you can get to the point where you can say, I'm not giving in to that. You can get to the point where you can say no to it instead of yes to it. it wouldn't you like that? There's something that's dominating you right now, something that's defeating you right now. I want you to know there is hope because God is faithful. And you can get to the point where you can stand up under it and say no. Which brings me to the fourth point. This is the place I want to camp out for a moment. We are assisted in our struggle with temptation. Love the way he, he describes it here in verse 13. Let's read the whole verse again. Verse 13. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. When I was studying this, it occurred to me how often I saw in that verse the words, He and you. He and you. He and you. And then I I suddenly realized, as I looked at those words, He and you, He and you, I suddenly realized that God is saying in this text that when we're tempted, God provides the resource. When we're tempted, He is the one who will assist us in our struggle. When we're tempted, He is the one we need to rely on. You see, I know that might sound simple to you, but just think so often how people approach temptations. You know how they do it? They try harder not to sin. They try harder to, the next time. They, in their own flesh, they just try to do better. They turn over a new leaf. They make a new resolution. They, they spend all of their time fighting temptation in their own strength. They may even hate what they do, but they go on and do it anyway. And they fight and they fail and they fight and they fail and they fight and they fail. Because mankind in his own nature can never overcome temptation. If we could... Jesus never would have come to die. You see, the Lord Jesus didn't just come to die for your sins, though He did do that. He didn't come to die for He didn't just come to die for your sins. He came to die to free you from your sins. That's why you see the He and the You. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you were tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. It's a very vivid picture that every time you're tempted, He will provide what you need to resist it. Whenever you're tempted, He will provide you an exit sign. Whenever you're tempted, there's always two buttons that God puts in front of you. One is labeled God, one is labeled you. And whether or not you give in to that temptation depends on which button you push. When the temptation comes your way, do you push the God button or do you push the you button? Too many times we're pushing the you button thinking I'm going to try harder. We push the you button saying I'm going to be better. We're pushing the you button saying I'm not going to do this anymore. They're pushing the you button saying, I'm going to stop. Or pushing the you button saying, I know better next time. Instead of pushing the God button, say, God, if you don't help me, I'll never make it. 
God, if you don't help me, I'll never be free. God, if you don't help me, I'll never be delivered. God, if you don't help me, I'll never break this addiction. You see, every time there's a temptation, there's a God button and there's a you button. And you decide which one you push. Now, Satan doesn't want you to know that. Satan wants you to believe that you can handle it. Satan wants you to believe that you can make it, that you can do different. He, he convinces you that you can do it. And then when you give in, he tells you how, what a failure you are. Tells you what a lousy person you are. Tells you what a lousy Christian you are. How would it be different if this, if this year, maybe let's, let's confine it down to this month. How would it be different if this month you deliberately, when temptation came, you start pushing the God button. You start depending, you start remembering he will not let you be tempted what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. How would it be different if maybe you start using that God button more and that you button less? Now to help you with this, maybe it will help you remember it, uh, I want to take you in your mind to Myrtle Beach. If you've never been to Myrtle Beach, then go in your mind to some other beach you've been to. Because whenever you go to a beach, I've been to Myrtle Beach a lot. Whenever you go to Myrtle Beach, there's always these souvenir stores. And you go to the souvenir store every time you go to the beach. I don't know why, because it's all the same stuff every year. But, but you just keep going back, right? Just thinking, well, maybe this year it'll be something different. And if you've ever been to one of those souvenir stores, in every store I've ever been to, there's always this stand, this display, and, and sometimes there's two or three of them, uh, of little trinkets and different things with your name on it, your kid's name on it. There's the little, the little South Carolina license plate. You try to get that to put it on your bicycle. There's the, the, there's the, the keychain that's got your name on it. There's all, there's all kinds of little trinkets that's got people's names on it. Now, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but when you go to the beach like that, and you go to the souvenir store, and you're looking through, you get real excited because I'm going to get a license plate for my bicycle with, with my name on it. And you look at it, and there's David, and there's Larry, and you keep looking, and you keep looking, and you keep looking, and, you keep, and there's no Keith. You put your head down, and, and your dad says, Son, uh, how about a box of saltwater taffy? You know what I mean? <laughs> We won't let Dave or Larry have any of it. You know, you can, it can be all yours. In fact, son, we'll write your name on with a magic marker. We'll put Keith right there on top of it. I'm over it now, but... but um, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> but I tell, let me tell you what's even worse. I didn't know this topic came apparent. You know what's even worse? What's even worse is when you become a parent. And, you're, and now you're looking for your kids' names. And they're right there with you. And, they're, and now you're seeing it totally different, right? Because now you're looking at their eyes and their anticipation and their smile and they're looking for their name. And if you've got more than one kid, if you've got two or three or four kids, oh, God help you. Because more than likely, you're going to find one for Kelly. You're going to find one for Lauren. And then they're not going to have Jonathan. They're going to have John, but not going to have Jonathan. And that's when you say, come here, son. How about some saltwater taffy? It's, it's pretty good. It's really pretty good. Trust, trust me, I know. It's awful. It's awful when you're looking for something with your name on it and it's not there. And, you've, and especially as a parent, you look at that and you think, 
did I name him wrong? Should we, you know, should we have called him something else, you know? It's just awful. I want you to know something. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, this is a verse that has your name on it. And it's got your name on it. It's got your name on it, and 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 your name on it. This is a verse that has everyone's name. It's got your name on it. And here's the reason I want you to know that. Because Satan's got your name too. He knows what your weakness is. He knows what your struggles are. And he's aiming for you. He's trying his best to bring you down. And you need to recognize there is a promise in Scripture that has your name on it. In fact, I'm going to encourage you to make this personal and do what I did in my study Bible. This week in my study Bible, it occurred to me as I read this verse, here's what I did. No temptation has seized you, and I stopped at you, and I put Keith right there. You can put it above the word you. You can put it beside the word you if, you have, if it's right there in the column. But somewhere, even right now where you're sitting, or after church, or tonight, or tomorrow, somewhere, I want to encourage you to write your name in this verse. Write your name in this promise. There is something powerful about reading this promise and seeing your name there. No temptation has seized Keith except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let Keith be tempted beyond what he can bear. But when Keith is tempted, he will provide a way out so that Keith can stand up under it. It's one thing to write, it's one thing to read the Scripture. It's a whole other thing to read the Scripture that has your name in it. Parents, let me talk to you as well. Some of you have a child that you're really worried about because of the struggles they're having with temptations. The struggles they're having with sin. The struggles they're having with addictions. The, the, some of you are very concerned about maybe the prodigal in your family. And could I ask you perhaps take this promise. And after you've put your name in there. Maybe in the column right beside that verse. You need to write the name of your child there. And the name of your children there. The name of your grandchild there. Because there's going to be days when you need to come back to this anchor promise. And you need to come back to the throne of grace and say, God, I'm claiming this verse again. I believe there's still hope for my child. Because this verse says that there is no temptation that can overcome us. This verse says that God is faithful. So I'm coming back to this promise on behalf of my child. And you write their name in there. And you make that your prayer. And you let that drive you to your knees again. Claiming again and again and again and again. God's promise for your child or for your grandchild. Temptation is something we all struggle with. But it's not something we all have to give in to. Because God is faithful. He will provide the way out if we push the right button. If we stop pushing the me button. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to be better. I'm going to do more. And start pushing the God button. Saying, God, I need you to help me to bear up under this. This temptation... I'll face it all the days of my life. But God, with your strength, I'm going to keep pushing that button. And keep trusting 
You're faithful. You're stronger than I am. You can help me find the way out of this. And by your grace, I will. Let me pray with you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. It may be that today as you sit there, what I was talking about really doesn't fully resonate with you yet because you're still trying to live life on your own. There's just you. There is no God button in your life. There's just you. You've never trusted Christ as your Savior. You don't know what it is to have Christ in you. You don't know what it is to be forgiven of sin. You don't understand what it is to have a power greater than your power. There's just the you button right now. But today if you would repent of your sins and ask Jesus Christ who died on the cross for you to forgive you and to come into your life. The Bible says you can become a new person. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new, the Bible says. Would you like this to be the day that there's a new you? Would you like this to be the day that from this day on you can have both the God button and the you button? Knowing that God is with you, that God hasn't abandoned you, that God is going to work in your life. God's going to help you overcome this problem. God's going to be your resource. You can do that today if you'll trust Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior. Just simply uh, saying something like this, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I believe that you died for my, for my sin and you died in my place. And today I, I surrender to you. I repent of my sin. I turn away from it. And I turn to you and trust in you only as my Savior and as my Lord. Today you can make that decision. I hope that you will. hope that as soon as we sing, you'll come and stand down front and talk to me and let me introduce you to Christ. But others of you, you are Christians and you need to come, maybe, maybe even bring your Bible and just lay it on the altar. Write your name in there. There has no temptation. And you put your name there over the word you. You just claim God's promise. And here on this altar, you start pushing that God button. Or maybe there's a parent or a grandparent. You need to come and write your name, your, your grandchild's name or your child's name or your children's names in your Bible and push that God button again and say, God, thank you for this promise. Thank you for the hope I now have. I still believe you can bring victory. And you come to this altar praying for those that you care about. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just trust you, Lord. We want to live for you, but we understand that as we try to live for you, we're fighting against the world, we're fighting against our flesh, we're fighting against the enemy of our soul. And there are days when the fight is more than we can handle. There are days when we get defeated. Thank you for the promise of your help, the promise of your power, the promise of your grace, the promise in your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.